Well, good morning. I'm going to take a little bit different angle on Mother's Day as I'm going to be talking about the legacy of a child. Uh, but as I begin this morning, I do want to share another little uh, introductory video, if I could, um, that uh, kind of sets the tone for us on Mother's Day. We've honored our mothers today. We've talked about the mothers today. Uh, in fact, I don't think anyone's here today that didn't have a mother. If you didn't have a mother, would you raise your hand? Uh, I think we'd all agree that mothers are necessary, amen? And we ought to honor them. Uh, the scriptures are not, doesn't say a lot about motherhood. Uh, of course, our most famous passage is Proverbs 31, the 31 woman. And uh, many of you probably have heard that sermon as long as, long as you've been alive. And certainly every Mother's Day, it seems like a pastor will preach that. And that's the reason I want to take a little bit different angle today uh, on this passage of Scripture uh, that I'm going to share with you. But before we do that, I've got some, I want to share with you something mothers never say. Here's something that mothers never say. I'm so bored. I wish I had something to do. <sighs> Thanks for letting me sleep in, kids. If you make a mess in the kitchen, please let me know so I can clean it up. Raising kids is so easy. I just love driving around all day. Oh, I never have to repeat myself. They always listen so carefully. Oh, look, an empty box of cereal. Love it. Just wipe it on your sleeve. It's pretty cold, but you don't need a coat. Oh, you don't have to push in your chair. Don't make your bed, you're just gonna sleep in it again later. I think I'll skip the coffee today. You know, these throw pillows look way better on the floor. I'm really not that busy. Well, you haven't showered in three days, but I think you smell great. We do have food at home, but let's just go out to eat. Just brush your teeth whenever you feel like it. Here, take my phone charger and go put it in your room. Oh, just leave your dirty dishes on the counter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's all pull on our phones. Youth sports are so cheap. Braces are so cheap. School fees are so cheap. Hey, can you come crawl in bed with me around 2 a.m.? Thanks. Okay, I just spent two hours making dinner, but if you don't like it, that's fine. Just let me know and I'll make you something else. Don't even bother looking for that. I'm sure it's lost and gone forever. Can somebody please throw something at my head? I mean, I can keep track of every single one of your things. I get a ton of sleep. I get a ton of gratitude from my children. I get a ton of unsolicited help with the housework. Oh, you don't have to hurry up. We're gonna be right on time. Can someone please throw something at the TV? Thanks for doing the laundry, everyone. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Can you use your outside voice? Ah! Fight, fight, fight! Ah! The floor of this vehicle is so clean, I can't believe it. Oh, good. Another trip to the grocery store today. Let's go. Somebody want to come use the bathroom while I'm in here? Well, moms, we do honor you, and I think, I think that probably typifies the fact that you do a whole lot more than you get credit for and, and honored for. And, of course, that's the reason this date was established by... Uh, I'm on. I am on. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, Anna Jarvis was a lady that started this uh, ideal of honoring mothers on a, on a Sunday service in the early 1900s. And then 1914, Woodrow Wilson declared the second 
Sunday of May is Mother's Day. And, but it wasn't long right after that that Hallmark Cards commercialized it, and that was their goal was to sell cards. And Anna Jarvis was very upset that it got commercialized that way, and unfortunately that's what's happened in so many ways today. And sometimes it's almost moms are overlooked for all the other busyness that we can do. But as I think about that uh, little message there about moms, I do come to Proverbs 31, 28 to read this one verse. It says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. And husbands and children, uh, honoring your mom is a very special thing. In fact, the only command with a promise is the command to honor your parents. And, and so and, it's, and it talks about a, a long life. I remember long years ago, I was talking to a kid. He was sassing his mother, and I kind of misinterpreted the, the, the command. I said, you know, there's a promise in the Bible that if you'll, you'll honor your mother, you'll live to be an old person. And he looked at me and said, well, I don't want to be that. <laughs> I said, I said it wrong. <laughs> it's a long life is what it's promised there. But let me just share with you with a, an acrostic in the time that we have on the legacy of a child because that's what mothers do. There wouldn't be a mother if there wasn't a child. God created mothers as a special, as a special divine creation because she can give life. God gave life. He, gave, he created man. He created man out of the dirt of the ground, but he created woman out of the side of man and created her special to be able to give life. And so life that mothers give is precious, and I think it's uh, appropriate that y'all had started this special offering today for life's choices with these banks. Guys, we need to do everything we can to uh, stop the onslaught of babies being killed in America. Over 60 million babies have been killed in America. And just because the Roe versus Wade was reversed, it didn't mean it stopped abortion in America, and it didn't stop it in Florida. Uh, it's still there. It's just not... Uh, there are some new obstacles and new opportunities, I guess I should say. And uh, part of that is that we still have to educate people because the people, they can still get abortions. It, it never said, to, uh, first of all, I'll just say this, the Supreme Court, when they made that move, they, they didn't have, they were out of bounds, really. And secondly, uh, it didn't change anything when that was reversed, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, even though everybody celebrated it, the fact is it still happens and we need to fight it. Guys, children are a blessing that moms have. And I want to share with you today from a little acrostic on child about the legacy of a child. And so the first letter there of child, I see the word care, care. In Deuteronomy 6 uh, verses 3 through 7. Let me read this passage to you. And I'm going to, if you have your Bibles kind of flexible there today, I'm going to go through a lot of different passages. But in 6, 3 through 7, it says this, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. And then he gives what became, is known today to the Jewish people is the Shema. And every day, a devout Jew today starts their day quoting this passage of Scripture, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. Now listen carefully, moms. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest in the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Always talking about the Lord. What is he talking about? The Word of God. Mothers, the, the care that you should be providing for your kids is to be teaching them the Word of God. From the morning to the evening, uh, you're teaching your children the Word of God. We ought to be going to the Word of God. We ought to be reading the Word of God. We ought to be quoting the Word of God. There should be great care given there that your children know the Word of God. In Matthew 18, 6, it says this, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Folks, it's unfortunate today that we live in a society that moms are allowing their children not only to be ripped from the womb before they're born, and let me just hasten to say, at conception, I believe the Bible teaches that at conception, that's a human being. I don't know what else it would be. It's not a, it's not a snort, a, 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 what do they call them, darter, well, I can't even, snail. Well, those darter snails, I think is what it's called. It's not that. It's not, a, it's not a fish. It's not a lizard. It's a human being. That's what it is. And so right at conception, it's a human being. And mothers have allowed, or, or should I say potential mothers, have allowed those babies to be ripped from their womb, which should be the safest place. But beyond that, children today are being whisked away and, and, and sold into uh, the sex slave and all kinds of other things, and mistreated. We see it every day. If you turn the news on for a little while, you will see where a child has been, been mistreated. And many times the mother was involved with that and allowed that to happen. And certainly many times the father was. And folks, it's, a, it's an abomination. And it is a, a call for the Christian today to stand up and to care for children. And not only care for them, but there ought to be a concern for them to know where they are, to know what's going on in their lives. Let me just share with you a quick little story that you may be familiar with. The friends and families and neighbors were worried about this young boy. So were the social workers and teachers and even the sheriff's deputies in two counties. This young, or this older couple had not had any children they were pretty well-to-do, and they had bought a beautiful palatial home, and they decided to adopt two little boys. And they adopted those little boys, and when the boys were fairly young, the dad died. And the mother was tasked now to raise those boys. And when one of them was just 10 years old, his mother called the police to the house. This happened in 2008, and it was the first of dozens of times over the next uh, decade that she would summon law enforcement, often for help keeping her sons under control. In 2013, according to the list, the calls to the deputies began detailing more violence. 
In November of that year, uh, the mother said she, had, she was thrown against a wall because she, she took away an Xbox gaming system. And in November 2014, deputies report the boy used a BB gun to shoot a chicken. Of the 23 incidents deputies responded to at the family residence, 18 of them involved this young boy, according to the sheriff's office. Behavioral problems were no secret to this family. The boy attended a local notable high school for a while, but was expelled for disciplinary reasons. The Florida Department of Children and Families became involved with the boy in the late 2016 after he began cutting himself and posting images of the self-harm on Snapshot, or Snapchat, I should say. According to a report produced by the DCF, Cruz began harming himself after a relationship ended. The report also details a range of conditions with which he was diagnosed, including depression, ultimately included that he was not a, a, a risk of harm to himself or others. It was determined he wasn't. Now, here was a mother that was desperate, was crying out, and all the city, all the officials were ignoring her cries. And let me tell you, here's the big killer. No church knocked on their door. No church reached out to this family. No church went after this young boy. No church, which had all the right to, nobody stopped them, nobody. But churches everywhere, nobody was going after this kid. There was nobody concerned about him. So many warning signs. And then February 14th, 2018, Nicholas Cruz killed 17 people. He was only 19 years old. In the aftermath of the shooting, students and faculty at Stoneman Douglas described him as a loner. Here's a young kid by himself, nobody had anything to do with, and nobody reached out to him. There was no concern for him. There was no care for him. Folks, how many more are like that in our community today? How many within the shadow of this church today need to know about Jesus Christ? And let me just tell you, there's nobody stopping you to go get them. There's nobody saying you can't bring kids over here and teach them the Bible on Sunday morning. There's nobody saying you can't teach, bring kids over here and pray for them. You know, we complain about what goes on in the schools. We complain about saying, well, they, they, they can't read the Bible at school anymore. They can't pray anymore. Well, that may be true, but it's not true here. Amen? We have the ability. We ought to be out there going door to door looking for the kids. Well, secondly, the H stands for a heritage, a heritage. In Psalm 127.3, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Folks, children are a gift from God, and they are a stewardship from God. And you need to know this, moms, that that child is given to you as a gift and as a stewardship. It doesn't, he doesn't belong to you. He belongs to God. You need to remember that. I've had mothers that were devastated because of what, are, what happened with their children and especially at the death of a child, which is a terrible thing and nobody ever wants to face that. And somebody in this room may have faced that at one point in time. But I want you to know they belong to God. And you are just given the honor and glory to raise that, that, that child and won't you do that? Are you doing that? And are you praying for those that are doing that? And let me tell you, God gave the responsibility to a mother and daddy to raise kids. And America needs to hear that message today. We need to recognize that heritage today because it's the family that's being destroyed in America today. 
It's the, the mothers that have decided they want to be married to another woman and daddies that are wanting to be married to another man. And kids are confused about what's going on. And we need as the church to come back and call people back that he made them male and female. And he, just, and he said that one man and one woman would make a family and they would raise up children. It was God's design for there to be that heritage. And, un, and I'll just tell you right now, one of the biggest lies that got sold to America a few years ago was when Hillary Clinton said it takes a village to raise a child. It made it ideal like that. It's everybody's responsibility. I'll tell you, it's nobody's responsibility but mom and dad. And the kids ought to be, a, ought to be contributing to the maybe to the village, but it's not the village's responsibility to raise a kid, and that's what's happened today. People, families and parents have given up the responsibility of raising their kids to the community, to the government, to the city, to the schools. And I want you to know, parents and moms, it's your responsibility that your child is educated. Now, if you want to send them to public school, that's fine and good, but when you get home, you ought to be finding out what they're studying and not just let it go. And help them understand, well, that's not exactly right, son or daughter. You need to know the truth. And let me tell you, church, we need to be holding, helping families in this area and encouraging families today. And again, I tell you, there's nothing stopping us from teaching the Bible every day of the week if we needed to. And we ought to be, I think. And certainly more often. Certainly Sunday ought to be a day filled with teaching the Bible. But we're more interested in filling the time than filling the, us with the word of God. Then we see the I here in child. And that's, I take you to Deuteronomy 31, 12. It's an interesting passage of scripture because Moses is speaking to Israel as they're about to go into the promised land. And folks, these are the last words of Moses, Deuteronomy. You ought to read Deuteronomy. Uh, it's a fantastic book. It's a great word. Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. But now Moses is being a lot more specific in explaining and explaining and carrying out the ideal of the law. And, and it's his last words. And let me tell you, the last words are important. And so it's important what he says here. And I want you to look at what he says here. The investment he says to make here in 31.12. He says, gather the people together, the men and the women and children, and the stranger who's within your gates, that they may hear, and that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. And then verse 13 goes on to say, and that their children who have not known anything may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land for which you go over the Jordan to possess it. Invest. And children, how do you spell love? I suggest that it's spelled T-I-M-E. I'll tell you right now, children will never... Think about your own life. Do you remember everything, all the Christmas gifts you got? Can you remember them? I can remember one Christmas. And it was a special Christmas, and I'm, I remember it specifically because there was something I wanted really, really bad, and... Actually, there was two things. There was two things. Back in that day, you know, you didn't have as many commercials on TV 
And I had narrowed down just the two things, and I saw them at the grocery store. Our grocery store, I went with my mother to the grocery store. And they were selling some toys there, and they had these two fabulous toys. And I, I looked at them, and I, man, I wanted them, both of them. I wanted them. But my mother said, no, you can only have one. Which one would you want? And I agonized for weeks and weeks and weeks, and finally I decided on which one I wanted. And to my surprise, on Christmas Day, I came down, and there were both of them. My aunt had gotten wind of it, and so she made sure I got the other one that I did because I could only choose one. That's the only Christmas I remember. That's the only toy I ever remember. I don't remember any of the rest of them. But I tell you what I do remember, the time that I spent with my mother the time I spent with my family. And you know what I grew up, my, my dad died when I was six months old. My, there was four of us. My mother had to go to work. She worked six days a week. My grandmother basically raised us. She moved in with us, and, and, uh, and my mother was working all the time, and, and we didn't go on vacations. We didn't do very many things. Everything was revolved around the home. But I remember those things. And we were poor. I didn't know how poor we were. I didn't know we were poor. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was getting hand-me-downs for clothes. I, didn't, I thought they, they were new to me. I didn't know how poor we were. And you know what? I didn't care. It didn't bother me. Now, my neighbors had nice things, and I'd see it, and I'd say, well, that's nice. Boy. But I didn't think about us not having it because my family, my home was such a precious place. I felt safe, I felt comfortable, I felt loved. That's the things I remember, the time with my family, not the stuff or places we went, because we didn't do any of that anyway, really. And the stuff I couldn't tell you, the stuff I got, but time. I never, never will forget when going, my mother made sure that we were at Sunday school every Sunday. We never missed us. My mother worked six days a week. Sunday morning we got up. We were at Sunday school and church every Sunday. It was never a debate, never a question. It wasn't, oh, I don't feel good today, or, Let's, or do y'all want to go today? That never. Can you imagine? My mother never asked us if we wanted to go or not. People ask their kids today, do y'all want to go? Well, don't ask you. I'm going to about fall off the platform. I'm thinking about asking kids what they want to do and what the, asking their permission. My mother never did. We went all the time. We went. I had a Sunday school teacher in the sixth grade, Mr. Saunders. Mr. Saunders was a butcher, and I tell you what, he called every week to make sure I was coming, and I was there every Sunday. And I can remember the times he invited us to have a, he'd have a fellowship over at his house. He said, fellas, come over here, and we'll pitch washers. He had a game, and you had washers and you pitched it in the hole. I tell him every time I wanted to go. I said, yeah, I'm coming. And I, guess what, though? I knew good and well I wasn't going to go because my mother worked. I didn't have a way to get there. Now, Mr. Saunders, I loved him, but you know one thing he should have done? He should have made sure that I had a way to get there. Now, I loved him, and I remember him to this day. I remember him more than I remember the lessons he taught. And then another man, Mr. John Cox, I remember the time he taught me and the lessons he taught me. But you know what I remember? I remember John Cox. I don't remember 
the lessons he taught. I remember the time he spent with me and cared about me. And it goes, the list goes on and on. Guys, you can't imagine the impact, especially of the men. I know this is Mother's Day, but let me just show you the impact. Let me show you. I've got some statistics here to share with you about that. Show the next slide there. When both parents attend Sunday school, of the, uh, of the children, uh, excuse me, 72% of the children attend when grown. When both parents bring the kids to Sunday school, 72% of the kids will attend when grown. Next one. When the father only attends Sunday school, 55% of the children attend when grown. Now watch this. When the mother only attends, 15% of the children attend when grown. You see that big drop from the father to the mother, from 55% to 15%. Moms, you have an uphill battle, and you need your husbands to support you. Men, you need to support your mom, the moms. Moms are usually the ones sometimes become kind of the conscious of the home, and the dad ought to be, but mom there, God bless you moms for standing up so many times, and many times walking past your husband with your kids to take them to church, but look at the difference of the influence there, and then when neither parent brings their kids, only 6% of the children attend when grown. You can see there how the big impact of both mom and dad, 72%. The father is 55%. And then it drops down for the mom, and then, of course, it drops. You know what happened? You know where these statistics came from? This came out of close studies back in the days when we had the bus ministry. Any of y'all ever part of a bus ministry at a church? And we, you know what? Parents were glad for us to come and get their kids. And you say, you're going to take them for two hours, and I don't, it's not going to cost me anything? Yeah, we're going to pull up in front of your house and pick them up and take them and keep them for two hours and then bring them back. And parents are going, hallelujah, come and get them. But we never, where it failed, and the reason you don't hear much about it today, we failed to go back and try to get those parents. We had the kids, but we needed the parents. And the results came out later that only 6% of the kids continued afterwards. And so many churches built their, I know churches that had gigantic bus ministries, and today those churches don't even exist because of all the kids they were bringing in at one time, but that all left. So, the heritage of a child, we must care for them, we must, uh, there's a heritage with them, we must invest in them, and then we must love them. Third John, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Love, guys, love means sacrificial service. Sacrament. Parents, moms know this. How many times have you given up? How many times? I know parents, I know moms, I've seen them. They didn't eat a meal so their kids would have a meal. They didn't buy clothes so they could get clothes for their kids. They didn't go do things so their kids could go do things. It's sacrificial service that ought to be done in sincerity. And then, finally, the D is discover. The question is, where are the children? Where are the children today? You look at your own church today, where are the children? Where are the families with the kids? Have they disappeared? 
Are they not there anymore? No. Guess what? You're living in an area that's building, can't build enough schools fast enough because of all the families with kids. Within walking distance of this church, there are families all throughout this community with kids. The question is, have you discovered them? What are you going to do about it? You know, we think that we can say we're here and we advertise a date and they're going to come. It's not like that. It never has been like that. We have to go out. We have to go after them. Let me tell you a story. Let me close with a story. This was told many years ago of an elementary school teacher whose name was Mrs. Thompson. As she stood in front of her fifth grade class on the first day of the school year, she told her children a lie. Like most teachers, she looked at her students and told them that she loved them all the same. But that simply was not true. Because there was in front, on the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stoddard. Miss Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed that he didn't play well with the other children. His clothes were messy and he constantly needed a bath. Teddy could be unpleasant at times. It got to the point where Miss Thompson would take delight in marking his papers with a broad red pen and marking bold X's and finally putting a big F at the top of his papers. At the school where Mrs. Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past records. But she put Teddy's off to last. And when she finally reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He's a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student and well-liked by his classmates, but he's troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, His mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest. His home life will soon affect him if, he, if steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't know much, uh, show much interest in school. He doesn't have any friends, and sometimes he even sleeps in class. By now, Miss Thompson realized the problem, and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when her students brought her Christmas presents wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped in heavy brown paper that he got from a grocery bag. Mrs. Thompson took pains to open it in the uh, middle of the other presents. And some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was a quarter full of perfume. But she stifled the children's laughter when she explained how pretty the bracelet was while putting it on and then dabbing some of the perfume on her wrist. Teddy Stoddard stayed after school that day just long enough to say, Mrs. Thompson, today you smell just like my mom. And after the children left, she cried 
for at least an hour. On that very day, she quit teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. Mrs. Thompson began to pay close attention to Teddy as she worked with him. As time went on, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. By the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest children in the class. Despite her lie, he had become one of her, te- one of the, her teacher's pets. A, le- a year later, she found a note under the door from Teddy telling her that she was the best teacher he had ever had in his whole life. Six years passed by, and to her surprise, another note came from Teddy. He wrote that he had finished high school third in his class and that she was still the best teacher that he had ever had in his whole life. Four years later, another letter came saying that while things had been tough at, at times, he stayed in school and stuck with it and that he had graduated from college with the highest honors. He assured Mrs. Thompson that she was still the very best and favorite teacher he had ever had in his whole life. Four more years passed by, and yet another letter came. This time, he explained that he had gotten his bachelor's degree. He had decided to go a little further, again assuring her that she was still the best and favorite teacher he'd ever had. The letter was signed, Theodore F. Stoddard, M.D. But the story doesn't end there. There was one final letter in the spring. Teddy said that he had met this girl and that she was going to be married, that he was, they were to be married. He explained that his father had died a couple of years ago and he was wondering if Mrs. Thompson might agree to sit in the place at his wedding that was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. Of course, Miss Thompson did. She wore that bracelet the one with the several rhinestones missing. She also made sure she was wearing the perfume that Teddy remembered his mother wearing on that last Christmas together. After the wedding, they hugged each other as Dr. Stoddard whispered to Mrs. Thompson's ear, thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I can make a difference. Miss Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. Folks, today you could be a Miss Thompson. Today you could help a mom, maybe that's not in good health. Maybe a child doesn't have a mom today. You could be there for them. And I just leave a challenge for this church today on this Mother's Day. Maybe this is not the sermon you was expected to hear today. But I'll submit what I said in the beginning. If it was not for children, there wouldn't be mothers. I mean, mothers make children. And and that is the heritage of the mother. The legacy of the mother is her child. And I'll leave one last story with you about a mom. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28. And the angel came in to her and said, Thou who art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered in her mind what manner of greeting this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, 
for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of the father of David. The heritage of a mother. The heritage of a child. Moms, thank you. And church, pray for the moms, and I pray that you would pray for the moms outside of this church. This church ought to be filled to the brim with the families that are needed to be touched. As I close, I want to close with one last thing, as I always close, and that is to share the gospel. There's just three things a person needs to be saved. This this is so simple, and it's easy to share with a child. A, you must admit that you're a sinner. Repentance means to agree with God about your sinful condition. That's the first thing a person has to do is recognize they're a sinner. B, you must believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin. You see, that's what it was required. Jesus had to die on the cross and shed his blood for us to be saved. He shed his precious blood that we might be saved. But it's not enough to admit that you're a sinner. It's not enough just to believe that Jesus died for your sin. See, you must confess to him and commit your life to him, inviting him to come in to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Lord means the owner, ruler of your life. I want to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. And maybe in this room today, there's somebody that's never really done that. Maybe they went through some something maybe they were baptized as a young person but they never really gave their life to christ time is running out nobody is promised tomorrow and right now i wonder if there's someone here that would pray a prayer like this dear lord forgive me for my sin i agree with you i repent of my sin i recognize how wicked i am before you and how i broke your heart I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sin. I believe only his blood was sufficient to make me right with you. And now I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to him as my Lord and Savior. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, if someone prayed that prayer today, I'd love just to be able to pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed a prayer like that, if you just slip your hand up, put it up, and put it right back down. Lord God, you know the condition of each person in this room. And Lord, we pray right now that this church would be a great lighthouse in this community. And Father, I again thank you for the mothers that are here today. And God, I pray for each person that's here today, for all of us had a mother at one point in time in our life. And God, I pray for all the mothers and children in this community. Lord, they need to hear about Jesus. Who's the next child we could keep from being a Nicholas Cruz or a Teddy Stoddard? God, direct us to the way to go in this community. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And God bless you and thank you. Does that close our service, Pastor? You got a song? All right, come right ahead.